listeners, domestic, international, extraterrestrial, I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode, mostly spoiler-free. <laughs> what do you mean, mostly spoiler-free? Because every now and then I try to sneak in a spoiler and then you have to cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a good editor. <laughs> I've chopped the hell out of the recap. I bet. I kept wanting to talk about the other stuff we hadn't been able to talk about yet. <laughs> Today we are discussing the season three premiere. We did it. <laughs> we, we did something. We made it to season three. We did. Here Proven we are. Proven haters wrong one episode at a time. That's right. All those haters. All the haters. Haters gonna hate. Uh, it's called The Blessing Way. It originally aired September 22nd, 1995, one month exact from my 18th birthday. That's insane. I mean, that's just kind of how time works, so I don't, I don't think insane's proper. Time is insane. Time is a flat <laughs> circle. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by R.W. Goodwin. It is about... A furious pursuit of Agent Mulder is underway. It's not. And more importantly, the government wants the data tape he carried. Agent Scully, against all odds, searches to uncover his whereabouts, persisting that he is alive when all others deny it. That last part was true. Everything else was wrong. There's I didn't not write a, it. There's not a pursuit of Mulder. Everybody just thinks he's dead, except her. And she's not trying to find him. She's just like, he's going to come back. Yeah. Well, IMDb. What a terrible, terrible summary, synopsis, whatever it's called. So the cast, we have a lot of recurring people, but I want to uh, call out three in particular. First, we have Floyd Red Crow Westerman. He is Albert Hosteen. He was born on August 17th, 1936 in Lake Traverse Indian Reservation, Roberts County, South Dakota. U.S.A. He was an actor known for Dances with Wolves, Hidalgo, and Dharma and Greg. Dharma and Greg, wow. We also have John Neville, a.k.a. the well-manicured man. When John Neville was in his early 60s, Terry Gillum cast him in the title role of The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Although the film was a financial failure... Neville's starring role in this major production, as well as his fine performance, led to an explosion in his career. Also, as a cult classic. Is it? Oh yeah, financial failure, but huge critical success. Oh, that's cool. I like that he, I think he's he was in theater most of his life, but I like that he, his acting, his on-screen acting debut was when he was in his 60s. That was his debut? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, Maybe. I read it as that, but now that you're asking me extra questions, I don't know. You're going to love this next one, though. Ooh, can't wait. This next one's a little bit long, but buckle in. It's a ride. Dakota House. Dakota House, okay. A.K.A. Eric Hosting. Okay. Dakota was born in a small town in northern Alberta. He now resides in Edmonton, Alberta. He has been acting from age 18 and has worked with such people as Graham Greene, Tom Jackson... David Duchovny from X-Files, and many others who Dakota credits for his learning and knowledge in the film industry. This young man has also traveled to Canada extensively 
doing workshops in acting and facilitating motivation, empowerment, and self-esteem workshops, as well as public appearances. Dakota has written one children's book called Dancers in the Sky and is currently writing his second. He has just finished filming the fifth North of 60 movie that will be airing in the early months of 2004. <laughs> IMDb mini biography by D. House. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to do your own biography. Like, uh, what's his face? Dwayne Barry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I just, I especially love the, this young man has traveled Canada. <laughs> I was wondering wow. when that was written, and then he just finished this thing in 2004. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I would like to say one thing before we get going. You remember how in the season two finale, we were like, no, nah, this, this episode doesn't really treat the uh, American Indians that poorly. Well... <laughs> They made up for it. (laughs) I see exactly what they were talking about when they were talking. I guess they were talking about the three episodes all as one. Yeah. Because, man, they really go hard in the next two. It's awful. (laughs) But what did Chris Carter think? Oh, he thought it was great. He thought this was probably the best episode to date. R. W. Goodwin did a fantastic job directing. And you know what? He'll take a little credit for the writing, too. That is almost exactly what he said. <laughs> he called the episode one of his favorite episodes to write. <laughs> um, he also was very excited about how it explored the character of Fox Mulder and how he would react to the death of his father and put a pin in that. We're uh, coming back to it at the end. Okay. So reviews were mixed. Den of Geeks' Nina Sorty noted that the plot line, quote, laid the groundwork for the mythology arc for the rest of the series, unquote, Quote, adding that it, quote, brought much more significance to what is to come, unquote. That is probably the nicest that I've seen. Um, I'm more aligned with uh, one of our favorites, Emily Vanderwerf, who panned the episode's pseudo-mystical bullshit. Yeah. And rated the episode a B-, which is actually higher than I had anticipated. Uh, She felt that the resolution of the cliffhanger from the previous episode, that of Mulder's apparent death, was poorly handled, and that the character of Albert Hosteen was perhaps the worst in the series. Ooh. Yeah. Brutal. I don't think it was his acting. I think it was his character as written. Yeah, because he was fine in the season two finale. He was a good character. And I predicted the tunnel to get out. Oh, did you? I did. I predicted that in the season two finale. Yes, you did. So... My predictions are just coming true, left and right. They are. How did you feel about this episode? Everything outside of the pseudo-mystical bullshit I thought was really good. Yeah, so about 20 minutes of it was pretty solid. (laughs) (laughs) You ready to get into it? Yeah, and I do have to say there is one scene in the pseudo-mystical bullshit that I enjoy, even though I would not say it's uh, (laughs) good. I just enjoy it. Oh. I'll mention it when we get there. Okay, you're going to love what Chris Carter says about the next episode. Fantastic. Yeah, Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. I bet it's one of the best episodes to date. Oh, just wait. (laughs) And the director did a great job. Oh my gosh. So we start at the very beginning with some stuff that I'm not going to recap because it was like eight minutes of voiceover. Okay, I do have a couple comments on the voiceover though. Okay, go ahead and say some stuff about the voiceover. And we are in Two Gray Hills, New Mexico, with Albert 
hosting and family and family at all. He talks about how they don't rely on history. They rely on memory. Yes. And sorry, bud, but memory sucks. We know, <laughs> we know up, down, and all around that memory is not good. That is true. So uh, write stuff down, man. Yes, but also history is not actually the... It's written by the winners. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's written by the colonists. <laughs> well. Uh, well, okay, so... He and his family are back at their house where we saw them in at the beginning of the last episode. And the men in black come by and just punch the one guy immediately. Are we calling them the men in black? Yes. They just looked like the army to me. In or the camouflage and stuff. Wikipedia referred to them as the men in black. Hmm. Okay. Some, some dudes show up and just... I think that takes a little them. too much responsibility off the shoulders of... The regular old American military. Yeah, but the X-Files does that a lot. Hmm, I guess. Remember in, um, the one with Chester? Fresh Bones. Yeah, in Fresh Bones, how I was like, these guys are garbage. And you're like, I think we're supposed to be on their side. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, I am not picking that up at yeah. all. <laughs> like, I didn't agree with it. I just thought that maybe we were supposed to feel sorry for them. That was pretty funny. There is a lot. And then there's like the um, end of season one where they're using the UFO or alien technology, but it's like, but this poor pilot, this poor guy who's now got a rash. (laughs) And he was losing his mind. But it's not his fault. Look, man, if I was a pilot and somebody said, hey, do you want to fly some alien technology plane? I'd be like, yeah. Well, who's going to pass that up? Mm. If they were, if they came up to me and they said, hey, do you want to drive an alien technology delivery truck? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, I do. All right. Okay, well, the the guys beat up the hosting family looking for Mulder. His car is out front. He was here. Scully stops by after the beating. And when she leaves, she is pursued by a black helicopter. It's at night and they flash the spotlight right in her windshield. And I wish she to just like put down her visor or the, her sun visor. That would so good. And then just kept going. Put down the sun visor. They keep, they are persistent. So she puts on her shades and just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. It's not the rest of the episode, 40 more minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> the helicopter in front of her car. I love it. You got to get all of the shot, all of the footage you can when you have to rent a helicopter. Yeah. Uh, But she doesn't. She stops and soldiers come out, tell her to get out of the car and pat her down. Don't look at my face. Turn around. They look in the trunk and that's where Albert's translations of the digital tape are with highlights and stuff, but they cannot find the original. And he says, no, we want the dat file. Data copy. D-A-T, Digital copy? Dat copy? Eh, maybe. Sure. And she says, no, I don't. Mm Mm-mm. And David is concerned because they didn't knock her in the face with the butt of their guns, even though they were doing it to everyone else. That's a little sexist. They didn't do it to Albert? Yeah, they did. Did they? Had a big cut on his cheek afterwards. Oh, I forgot because then it got healed real (laughs) fast. Later. It was like, that's right. 
He had a big gash, and yeah. then he had nothing. It was great. They, they beat up everybody but her. That's Look, we are in a sketchy time in history right now. We need to be even-handed. Treat everyone equally. No, we need to treat... Equal m- rights. Me better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> I also had another question. All right. Is this Scully's first overtly bad run-in with authority? In the show. That's a good question because she... Mulder has come into conflict with them. Uh, it's because he walks around and yeah. punches people in the FBI building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the Blue Berets, I think, aren't quite, you know, they're covert or whatever, clandestine. Yeah. Right, they don't feel... They don't quite... They don't feel the same as the authority above... Right, just the regular old army guys. Yeah, huh. I think this might be the first time Scully has come into conflict with regular, just United States authority. Hmm. Besides her dad, am I right? Ah! <laughs> he seemed like he was a hard ass. I liked his character, but... Yeah, Don Davis is great. Yes, that's who I meant. I like the actor, actually. It, you might be right. I'm trying to think, and I cannot think of another time that was... I think, you know, they've come up against small town sheriffs and stuff, but yeah. that but they always have more authority than the and, people they're coming up against. And the X-Files got closed at the end of season one. Right. But I don't think that really, that's not like blatantly corrupt or whatever. No, because they shuffled them around to different departments. So yeah. it was like, no, we're closing this department, but you're not fired. You're not reprimanded. You're not getting any other consequences besides... We're putting you in a place where you can actually do some work. And we're covering everything in this office with plastic. That's right. Well, Scully denies having the original tape, saying that Mulder has it, and the helicopter guys leave. Scully returns to Washington, D.C., where she is in Skinner's office, and there's some other people in there who I don't think have names. It's the same Do we even see anybody else? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. There's a different scene that I'm thinking we don't really see anybody. Yeah, no, this one I think is the group that is usually in his office because that woman's there who never has any lines. Yeah, yeah. So they do reprimand Scully. They tell her to leave her badge and gun. Does she get paid leave or is she on unpaid leave? I can't remember. I meant to listen and didn't. Uh, I didn't pick up one way or the other. I started thinking about whether or not it would be paid leave and then forgot. She didn't murder anybody, so it's probably unpaid. Probably. That's what I was thinking, too. Skinner follows her out of the room, and she says, Who were those people? <laughs> which, which is funny, because the door's still open, and they're in the secretary's office, which is obviously right there. And if it's the same people that are always in there, she's seen them before. Yes, yes. Skinner says that they're going to continue the investigation, and she says something about how he thinks he has, he's higher on the food chain than he actually is. <laughs> Uh, I think it's you overestimate your place in the chain of command. That's it. That was so good. Oh, I wrote it down. It was so good. Because it was awesome. So good. She heads to the basement, looking over her shoulder every three steps, and into Mulder's office, where she opens the center drawer of his desk and reaches her hands in and pulls out an empty cassette tape. An empty diaphragm case. Yep. Either way, it's not useful for anybody because it's empty. Yeah. I'm sorry that I made that joke several times before we recorded because yeah, it got a laugh the first time. <laughs> right. But you have said it multiple times. So many times at this point. It's always funny to me because diaphragm is just funny to me. 
Meanwhile, in New York City, the smoking man appears before the syndicate who question him over the whereabouts of the tape. CSM? Lies. <laughs> <laughs> we have it. It's fine. It's all good. Everything's good. Mulder is dead. We have the tape. Yep. Turns out there's another terrible voiceover piece here. But what ultimately happens is that um, <laughs> I make a I make a stand both times we watch this for how important vultures are <laughs> to society. <laughs> you were so offended. Hosteen hates vultures. And you are like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit. Vultures are great. Don't go and grab them. They will vomit on you. But you shouldn't be grabbing large wild birds anyway. So, I mean, that's kind of on you. I guess. They are important to society. 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 We live in one. We do. They're important to the ecosystem. How about that? <laughs> I agree. And returning dust to dust. <laughs> no. No, but they are great. That was a step too far. Well. Now I'm anti-vulture. No! <laughs> <laughs> you and Hosteen. Yes. Jeez. I'm team Hosteen. Don't be. This character is pretty bad. Uh, we do find out that Mulder is alive, but severely wounded. He's been buried under a bunch of foam rocks for several days. He climbed through the tunnel that I said was there. That's true, he did. And he was carrying up a alien-ish, alien-like body? No, a bunch of other aliens in years past, whenever they initially killed them all, climbed through the tunnel. They yeah. just didn't make it out. Oh, so he just climbed over the body? Yes. <laughs> He grabbed one and was like, I'm going to take it with me. And it's like climbing through while holding this thing's hand. I don't think so. The way I read it was the other aliens were trying to get out, but they didn't make it. That makes sense. I still, until like the you, tunnel would just be littered with bodies. Until you said that, I absolutely thought he dragged it with him. <laughs> I mean, maybe he did. I just read it the other way. You know what? Both ways are correct. It's Schrodinger's dead alien body. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. So he was under... The boxcar. Hosteen has Mulder taken to a Navajo sweat lodge to be healed during a blessing way ritual. It's the thing in the thing. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. During the ritual, Mulder has ghostly visions of Deep Throat and his father. Deep Throat, he completely ignores. His father, he makes eye contact with and asks if his sister is there, which his father says, no! It was wild. I guess Deep Throat's definitely Definitely dead. <laughs> I'm never going to get my wish that he faked his own death mm. and he comes back. I don't know. Do you think that these are actual visions or do you think he was just hallucinating people he thought of as father figures while he's... I guess I assumed that this was real hmm. because the guys in the background had great outfits. <laughs> they did. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the scene I, I like because they they're in these black leotards with hoods and these silver masks. That look just asinine. Yeah. And I loved it. It was great. I absolutely loved it. I would like one of those for just, you know, around the house. Yeah. Walking yeah, at night. Pajamas. <laughs> yeah. But Deep Throat comes in and he's eloquent, but he is to the point. And he just directly tells Mulder what is going on. Does he? I wasn't listening. Yeah, he says, do not come back. <laughs> he says, go back to the living world. Don't That's come right, here. That's right, he does. He, he does. says, there's truth here, but without justice... And action, it's just a deep, hollow void. Oh, that's right. As soon as he said justice, I blacked out. Because oh, any time this, this show says justice, justice, I'm like... I thought it was really good. I thought 
thought it was a good speech. It was, but it was, I... I thought it was compelling to the character of Mulder of, yeah, I guess I would know the truth, but then I couldn't do anything with it. I don't know that Mulder will do anything with it alive, either. Well, he says he's going to. Scully does say several times, and I've also said this, that Mulder wants the truth, but for himself, regardless of who it hurts. That's not justice. Okay. And it's not him doing anything useful. I just... Real, he's just saying that he wants justice. That's all I'm saying. And then his dad comes in, and it's just like he was in the last episode, where yes. he's talking about nothing. This is where I figured out. Deep Throat is talking clearly and coherently. Mulder's dad took over bathroom troll duties. He is talking in riddles. Oh, I was like, wow. I was slow on the uptake on that. Mulder's dad has never said an actual coherent thought. <laughs> no, he took over bathroom troll duties after Deep Throat died. Hmm. Maybe it's a like a Slayer thing where when one dies... <laughs> there can be only one. The next potential comes up. Maybe. Yeah. He, the only thing that he does say for sure is that Samantha is not there. Yes. And Everything else is, my deep shame is the secret that will haunt you if you continue. It's just like a war criminal to, on his deathbed, be like, but you don't know how hard it was to live with all of this. <laughs> all of the things that I've done, knowing that I did them. Not even on your deathbed, after your deathbed. <laughs> well. But who do you think all the other people were in the background? Oh my gosh, aliens. Aliens? <laughs> aliens are important to Mulder? Yes. The important yes. people in his life? They literally are. The next one comes up and is like, skinny legs! <laughs> yes, I was about to do that. <laughs> if you die, Mulder, you can't see no more skinny legs. That's right. Who do you think they were? I wrote the question down. You have to answer it. I literally don't think there's anybody important in Mulder's life. <laughs> He's not nice to his mom. His dad was garbage until, well, his dad's been garbage in the last couple of episodes too, but we're supposed to believe that they had some sort of really great close relationship, which I don't buy. Oh, I didn't even know we were supposed to think that. Because of how distraught he is and how he's, you killed my father. Mm, I don't, <laughs> I guess I have a different uh, image of what distraught over the death of a parent's going to look like. Yeah, well, how would you know? We all grieve differently. Yes. It's true. I think this is Mulder grieving. He is now the man of the family. Wow. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know. It just—it's not hitting me the same way that Scully's grief did. Right. That's why I'm saying I don't see them having that great relationship and him like grieving horribly. He seems to be doing mostly fine. But if somebody murdered your father, you'd be like, I'm gonna find the guy who murdered my father. Oh, it's uh, the Die Hard effect. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Irons in the third one is Hans Gruber's brother. Oh, yep. For most of the movie, you think he's trying to get revenge against John McClane, and then they come face to face at the end. He's like, your brother was an asshole. And he's like, yes, yes, he was. <laughs> well, why are you doing all this? Well, just because my brother was an asshole. Doesn't mean you can kill him. Doesn't mean some, I forget the exact. That's a really good point. Insult he gives. I feel that way. <laughs> some New York bum New York cop can throw him off a building. That's, it's very true. There's a difference, you know, between not liking one's brother and not caring when some dumb Irish flatfoot drops him out of a window. I agree. Okay, I'm back on board. Because I feel that way not about murder, well, also about murder, I guess. But I feel that way about when, you're, when you talk about your family. You can talk about your family in ways that no one else is allowed to talk <laughs> about your family. It's like, you cannot get on, this, this train that I'm on 
is a one-person train. You don't have a ticket. No. No ticket. No ticket. Get off. All right. Well, so they both urge him to go back to recover and to continue his search for the truth. At some point, Scully walks all the way to her mother's house. (laughs) Where does she live? I don't know. I'm assuming suburbs outside of D.C. I had no inkling that they lived near each other. I didn't either. Since they've only shown up three times. I know. And then she's like... And when they came over for Christmas, it seemed like that was an event. Right. It really did. Yeah. But now she's walked to her mom's house. And we find out Melissa is somewhere nearby also. Uh Uh-huh. Within quick driving distance. So it's... I don't... Unclear. (laughs) Unclear. But Scully walks to her mom's house, I guess from the FBI headquarters, after she found the tape was missing. Shows up sometime late. And then her mother brings her in, hugs her, and Scully says that her father would be so disappointed in her. And then we never return to this. Yeah. We never explore it. What was she talking about? The next time that we see it. We see Scully. She's asleep in her own bed. <laughs> She's totally fine. She's recovered quickly. There's not Uber. Her mom said, they're there. It's okay. Go and home. Was, and she was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, her mom's like, go home. I have work in the morning. It's late. So Frohickey shows up at Scully's apartment, drunk. I do love Jillian Anderson's facial expression when she looks through the peephole. It's amazing because she looks through the peephole and then she's, she like gets on her toes to see through the, the peephole and then she... She, like, has to center herself before she can answer the door. <laughs> she stops, she closes her eyes, she takes a deep breath, and then she opens the door. I'm like, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she does invite him in. She makes them coffee in a French press because she's a classy lady. Yeah. I would just be like, well, let me put on the percolator that I haven't cleaned out in a while. I'd throw a bottle of water at his head. <laughs> but they sit around, and Frohicky brings her shows her a newspaper clipping about Kenneth Suna's murder, who was murdered execution style. Why would they not make it look like a suicide? This is just blatant. It's really bad. It could have looked like anything. It could have looked like a drive-by. They're Accident. in the city. He could have, DC in the 90s. Yeah, he could have been hit by a stray bullet, and then they would have been like, well, he bled out. I don't know. I think Marion Barry was the mayor at this time. Anything could have happened, but execution style, that's... Yeah, yeah. That's a choice. (laughs) That is not a great way to not draw attention to yourself. Right. Execution style. Come on. What are you, new at this? Well, at some point, Frohickey leaves, I guess, and Scully returns to the FBI headquarters the next day to speak with Skinner. She goes through the front door through the metal, metal detector She has some nice banter with a guard who I doubt she'd ever actually met going through the back of the building, but it's a nice scene anyway. Why would he know who she is? Why would she know who he is? I wondered the same thing myself. But it was a nice exchange, so glad that guy got some lines. (laughs) He got his sad guard that day. Yep, pretty happy about that. Um, She sets off the metal detector. They are like, huh, weird. All right, well, go on. She goes to Skinner and presents the newspaper article. Oh, one of the things that is, it, she doesn't latch on to the execution style as the weird thing. She latches on to it being two days after Mulder disappeared. Yeah. And I don't know why that matters. It doesn't. Especially since it can't, even though it's obviously the same group that did it, 
it can't be the same weapon because she has the weapon that killed William Mulder. Right. And has since William Mulder was murdered. Right. Is Scully the person who executed Suna? <laughs> oh, wow. That would be a twist. That would be a twist. Then again, I think in the season two finale, I said something like, at this point, she's looking like she's part of the, the yeah. cigarette smoking organization. That's true. Because she let what's-his-face go. Crycheck. Yep. She did. And it comes back. To haunt everybody. Everybody's haunted. Mm-hmm. So she goes talk to Skinner about the newspaper, and she wants, she demands that Skinner test the weapon against Suna's bullet wound, I guess. Yeah. But not bullet wound. You can't uh, test against the bullet wound. No, the bullet itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do know that. I just said it wrong. And Skinner says, nah, no thanks. Well, because the data, it would be in the database already, and it should have pinged if it was a right. match. So he had a reason. He didn't just say nah. And then she leaves, and it is revealed, bum, 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 <laughs> that the smoky man has been waiting in the adjacent room to question Skinner about the exchange. But little did they know, we weren't surprised at all. Because it gets revealed every time somebody leaves that room? Yes. <laughs> but what we are curious about, and I didn't know if, I don't know if you know this, but we are very curious about this, is what the hell is back there? Because when, whenever they open the door, it's just a blank room. So it looks like... Just a large, empty walk-in closet. <laughs> With a chair in it for smoking man to sit in. Yep. And an ashtray. Yes. One of those standing ashtrays. It has to be, yes. That they had in the 70s. Yep. Yeah, it's not an ensuite bathroom, which would make sense in a in this scenario, in this layout. But uh, no, there's nothing on the walls in there. It is an empty room mm -hmm. with a chair. And a guy, apparently. There's always a guy, uh, a guy. back there. <laughs> Scully's leaving the building, and she decides to go back to the metal detector, which leads her to discovering that there is some metal in the back of her neck. They are all so confused by this metal detector. Yes, they are. It's... <laughs> it's weird. It extends for a long period of time. But again, guy got the SAG card, so good for him. Yeah. This thing's more sensitive than a toothache. Right. I've seen safety pins set it off. And then they're like, why am I setting it off? Uh, maybe there's a safety pin in your coat. Right. They're like, this is dire. Right. And she thinks that it is dire, so she goes to the FBI doctor. She ends up calling the FBI Could doctor. Be. Yeah. In the middle of the night, apparently. She thanks him for coming down there. Yeah. And he seems familiar to me. He does. He, he may have been in an episode before. He's, he's done something. Yeah. He's done FBI doctor things before, I guess. First, he x-rays her, and then he... Visually examines <laughs> yeah. the back of her neck. Yeah, that's the way you do that. And then he says, well, I can just, you know, topically anesthetize it and pull that shard out. No big deal. And she doesn't take off her jacket. <laughs> well, it's right there in her neck. I feel like you would just take off your jacket because even if it's not in the way at that point, you're going to have a little cut, a little incision to pull it out. And so then you'd get, you might get a little dab of blood on your jacket. Maybe she's looking for an excuse to get a new jacket. Maybe. Yeah. You know how women be. Or an excuse to take her jacket back to the dry cleaners because there's a really hot dry cleaner person there. Oh, okay. Eyebrows, eyebrows, eyebrows. Yeah. Well, that doesn't lead to my women be shopping joke, though. No. So, can't be the case. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I'm walking all over your jokes here. Well, I was trying to set you up for it. Well, I wasn't going to say that. Clearly. I know. 
I like the idea of trying to get a peek at the hot dry cleaner person. Mm. So the next day, because it's sunny now, Scully talks to Melissa. I think they're at Scully's place. Yeah, Melissa. Yes. I was excited for Melissa. I wrote Melissa exclamation point. Oh, well, uh, Melissa has this whole garbage dialogue. It's, I'm sorry, not dialogue. Has a garbage monologue. She has so much to say here and all of it's garbage. And she urges Scully to see a hypnotherapist to recover lost memories of how she got a piece of metal in the back of her neck because Scully can't remember. And Melissa's like, maybe you have disconnected from your being, from the essence of who you are. Or maybe she was unconscious when it happened. Right, because she's been in the hospital. (laughs) Equally as likely. She was in a coma for a while. She was... (laughs) She, she was abducted. There's been a lot of times that Scully's been out. Yeah. Uh, the rest of my note was, oh, yay, hypnosis. <laughs> so, oh, the really bad part of this is that Melissa says, just do it for me, which is terrible. Better than Mulder trying to get her to do it. You don't have to go, I wrote, you do not need to go through hypnotherapy by some creepy man for your sister's sake. In case anyone needs to hear it. <laughs> by, by knockoff Peter Riegert. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, this guy. This guy is the knockoff <laughs> of Peter Riegert. Tell those assholes to shut up. Hey, shut up, you assholes! So Scully heads to the hypnotherapist. It's not going well. The guy is, I don't making things up, leading things on, as implanting you, uh, memories. Implanting memories, as you do in hypnosis. It's terrible. It's really bad. I am super pro-therapy. That's not what this is. So just putting no, it out there. No, we've been anti-hypnosis from the beginning. I know. I'm we just are clear saying, on that. This guy is not a therapist. This guy is a fraud. Gonna, oh, I thought you were going to use the Q word. No, I've been trying to think of other words. Oh, it's the Q word a bad word? If it wasn't, would you call it the Q word? I wasn't doing it to be funny. <laughs> I was trying to pretend it was a bad word, and then you were like, yeah, I'm not using that word. Like, <laughs> Is it actually a bad word? Oh, man. Well, and then on top of all of this garbage that's happening, Scully is becoming distraught while she's regressing into this hypnosis. And then the therapist touches her. First of all, don't do that. Inappropriate. Second of all, don't do that. You totally disrupted the hypnosis. Yeah. It was not useful. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. She leaves. Good for her. Upon returning home, Scully finds that Skinner is leaving her apartment building and drives off she calls him a bit later and he denies it it was a good way to let him know that she knew yeah that he did that yeah i thought it was good why do you think he was there i think he was there to see her for the same reason he shows up later well i guess it was good she wasn't there because then what else wouldn't have happened Hmm. uh bad things would not have happened yeah that is true well Mulder, back to Mulder is recovered from the blessing way ritual the ending of the ritual is that he cannot bathe or change his clothes or do any work for four days he has to be an early 20s guy with a week off of work yep yeah hell yeah i feel like his punishment is being very relaxed yeah (laughs) he's gonna smell but like hell yeah (laughs) great go ahead and be stinky my dog scully heads to boston to attend bill's funeral Oh, yeah, there's a lot that happens in this. I completely forgot about this. (laughs) Where she introduces herself to Mulder's mother, Tina. 
they not ever meet before? I guess not. Mm. Yeah, she introduces herself and she tells Tina, don't worry, I believe he'll be back. Which is... I have a strong feeling. Which is just weird, but at least it wasn't at Mulder's funeral that she said that, because that would be... Oh, some... yeah, that'd be wild. While Scully's still at the cemetery, she's approached by a syndicate member known as the Well-Manicured Man. Ooh, this guy. Who is my new favorite person in the whole series. Yeah. He warns her that she is about to be killed, either by a pair of assassins or by someone she knows. And Scully's like, you're only telling me this because it benefits you. And he's like, yeah. yeah. Are you new? <laughs> so he At the beginning of his awesome speech, he talks about uh, information that we want to get out. And she's like, oh, would you kill for it? And he was like, oh my, yes. Yes, it was great. I loved him. <laughs> Oh my, yes. (laughs) What a great way to, like, make someone feel dumb, but not be uh, overt about it. Yes. Oh my, yes. Threatened enough to murder? Oh my, yes. (laughs) It's also threatening. Yeah. But in, like, the friendliest way. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Oh my, yes, of course. (laughs) My exact note was, funeral guy kind of rules yeah he's pretty great he stays great for as much as we've seen him yeah oh my goodness well oh he does explain that he thinks that the rest of the cigarette smoking organization is being too brash oh yes that's right and that would be why they're execution style killing suna instead of making it look differently they are freaking out yes and he knows they're freaking out yep that makes sense and he's trying to rein it back in yeah Because he is always cool. Yes. Cool heads prevail. So far. Should it surprise you that my motives are selfish? Motives rarely are. It's great. It is. Tina goes back to her house in Massachusetts somewhere, and Mulder shows up just in her house. She is not surprised to see him. He uh, yells at her in the basement about some old photos of his father standing with some members of the syndicate and she's like Mulder I am fucking exhausted no she's not she's (laughs) freaking out don't make me remember don't make me tell you things yeah it was bad but he was definitely just yelling at her yeah well it's because he's trying to save his life and probably hers too and also Mulder yells in every episode okay yeah well sure Uh, so she doesn't want to talk and we don't know if she talks for a little while. Um, we cut back to Melissa and Scully on the telephone. Scully is upset. So Melissa tells her that she's coming over. So then, um, Scully hangs up, the phone rings again and Scully answers and says, hello. And then some, whoever's on the other end hangs up because she doesn't say hello. No. She says, hi. That's what it is. And I'm like, huh what parallel universe is this where you answer the phone you say hi that's right (laughs) it was jarring it would have been less jarring if she'd have said heaven (laughs) oh or ahoy hoy (laughs) okay if you say so she didn't you're right hi hi but the person hangs up because they apparently are also jarred by how she answers <laughs> yeah. her phone. It wasn't Crycheck and the other guy. It was somebody that wanted to talk to her, but they were like, ah, what? Like, <laughs> Gotta start over. I'll call tomorrow <laughs> when she's forgotten about this. Scully is suspicious and calls her sister back, but Melissa has already left. 
Melissa Scully actually leaves her home when she says she's going to <laughs> yeah, leave her home. What a weirdo. She doesn't do <laughs> 10 minutes extra on other shit. No. I decided she must have just worn her shoes around her house because she is gone. I'm on my way. And she is. Weird. <laughs> Don't you have a bath to take or something? <laughs> Text them. I'm halfway there. <laughs> putting your underwear on. I was going to say, as you're still running the bath. <laughs> uh, well, Scully leaves a message on Melissa's answering machine, which we know it's Melissa's answering machine, not because Melissa's on the recording, but because there are stones sat next to the machine. <laughs> to make good messages come through, yep. apparently. And they aren't crystals, but they are stones. Uh, and then Scully leaves her apartment. She leaves real quick, too. But she is, she's trying to get out of there, so her leaving quickly makes sense. And she was already ready to go. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. also makes sense. As Scully leaves, Skinner pulls up in his car and tells her that they need to speak in private. Scully gets in his car and away they go. Not before they telegraph her zipping up her purse where she kept her gun. Yeah. R.W. Goodwin was like, focus on letting everybody know she has a gun. As if she's going to do something with it. <laughs> she kind of does. Kinda does. And I thought she unzipped her purse. I think she zipped it. Oh, I thought she unzipped it to have it more easily accessible. Or zipped it to make sure that he didn't see that she had it. Hmm. It, either way, hmm. both are plausible. Yep. It's Schrodinger's Scully's gun. <laughs> In the first act. <laughs> Literally almost through the third act. No, I know. It's not Schrodinger's gun. What is it? Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun in the third act. <laughs> Melissa shows up soon after all of this happens and is shot by Louis Cardinal, who is <sighs> hiding there with Alex Krychek. Krychek realizes it's the wrong person. Louis's like, what? What's going on? What, are, what do you mean? And then they leave. But Krychek's like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> so was I. That's true. You were. I'm upset that Melissa is shot. Yep, she is shot and bleeding. Meanwhile, Skinner and Scully go to Mulder's apartment. Mulder's front door lock is so loud. I'm also wondering why go there. His apartment has been poisoned, has been <laughs> bugged. Mr. X, it's still got the masking tape X on the window. With the bullet hole in it? Yeah, that's the least secure place. I would well, not. you know what? Dana Scully's place is less secure. Yes. Wherever she is, because this was a different place than where she got kidnapped by Dwayne Barry. Yes, different place. I think she keeps moving around. Every time she gets kidnapped or damseled somehow, Yes. she moves. Yep. But yeah, so that's where they go, which makes the least amount of sense to talk someplace private. I would just assume everything is bugged in Mulder's place. And also covered in his saliva from him just spitting sunflower <laughs> seeds everywhere. Well, uh, while they're there, they pull guns on each other, well, Scully and she Skinner. She pulls a gun on him first. That's right. Gets him to sit down. She has him sit on his hands. Yeah, that's right. That's which good. I thought was really good. I never would have thought of something like that. That's pretty good. No, it was pretty good. That's right. She pulls a gun on him first, believing that he is the traitor the well-manicured man spoke of. He doesn't want to talk. And she says, you have the rest of your life to give me answers. And I love that. Ooh, good line. Good threatening line. It was really good. And it also reminded me of when I misspoke in that one episode where I was like, what's he going to do? Sit in his car for the rest of his life? Oh, wait, he did. <laughs> and then his car exploded. And I was like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Hers was on purpose and mine was 
ridiculous, so. But that's what it reminded me of. Then we see some shadows outside the door. Skinner tells Scully that he is in possession of the digital tape, and that's when there's... Someone is just outside the door pacing. Or something. Or something. And Scully gets distracted. Yep. And then Skinner pulls his gun on her, and now they're both pointing guns at each other. It takes so long to pull a gun from... I assume it's a docker's clutch he's got on. Because if it's on his belt and he's sitting down, it would take him like three minutes to get that thing out. Yeah, and they've got so much material on. Yeah. Everybody has layers and layers and layers. <laughs> she had... Uh, she just sat there waiting for him to get his gun out. Yeah. So, to be continued, again. Sigh. Yep. All right. Well, you know what? Good episode still. I really liked it, even with the pseudo what is it pseudo mystical bullshit i think that's a great way to say that yeah i'm gonna try to remember it well who are you shipping i am shipping Mulder and melissa still yep anytime she is in an episode i'm gonna ship those two even if she gets shot at the end (laughs) i shipped melissa and me minus the hypnotherapist bs she seems like a pretty calming force to have around oh (laughs) It wouldn't have to be a romantic thing since I knew that you were going to ship Duchovny and and Melissa, which now I'm mixing everybody's names up, but whatever. Uh, but as her friend, I, I wrote all of this down. Oh. As her friend, <laughs> I'm going to let that happen for a bit, but ultimately talk her out of it because Mulder is a fuckboy. Oh. oh. But she could be a good calming influence on him, too. For a little while until it starts having a negative impact on her and then i'm gonna be like okay she already believes in all the woo-woo stuff yeah she can't change him he is a fuck i'm not saying change him i'm saying she's already one of him i know he's she's not he except he's excitable and she's calming it's a good yin and yang i see yeah that's why i like them together how are you surviving i am surviving by doing whatever the hell i want to because scully's never gonna pull the trigger Sit on your hands. Fuck you, I'm gonna do a dance. <laughs> I'm surviving by having a cell phone and answering when my sister calls. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So, I have a fun little end to this. Okay. What did David Duchovny think? Oh, that's interesting. He didn't do any of this story. Mm-mm. At least credited. Oh, man. Uh, what do I know about David Duchovny? Sex best. <laughs> no, that's Fox Mulder. I think maybe also David Duchovny. No, he's a sex addict. Oh. oh. You know, the totally real thing. Got it. Um, I think he didn't really care for it. You were right. Hell yeah! So, David Duchovny was somewhat disappointed with the episode, hoping he would have had a chance to do more in an episode that was primarily a symbolic journey for him rather than a real one. The actor said, quote, I like the psychology, and I like the thinking that went into the episode as a viewer. As an actor, I felt like an opportunity passed me by. If I had to do any episode over again, it would be that one, unquote. Huh. The actor called the episode in 1995 the greatest missed opportunity they had. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Carter disagreed, though. Oh, what a surprise. Stating that Fox Mulder's role in the episode was the right way to do it. And that the dramatic weight for the episode had to shift from Mulder to Dana Scully. Oh, is that what it did? That's what he says it did. Okay. All right. All right. Well, 
See you next week. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. 